Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is up, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student, and in this particular episode, a better-dressed one as well, because today we are talking about how to upgrade your wardrobe, and my guest on the show is my friend Antonio Centeno, who runs Real Men realstyle.com, which is a site that comes up almost every time I Google a question about style, which I have started doing more frequently as I've tried to upgrade my own wardrobe and start dressing better. And I've started doing this because when I was a younger entrepreneur, you know, just out of college, I had sort of that just rogue entrepreneurial idea that I could wear whatever I want because my business was my business and it doesn't matter what I wear. But I've come to realize that what I wear actually affects my attitude and the seriousness with which I approach my work, but it also affects the impression I make on other people. And it really does have a big effect. So I've started thinking a little bit harder about that now. And to be honest, I did notice, even when I was a student, that there was a difference in how I perceived people who dressed well versus people who just dressed to the bare minimum requirements of whatever they were doing, be it entrepreneurial events, be it internships, or be it just going to class. So in this episode, Antonio is going to answer a lot of the different questions that I have gotten from other people and questions that I've had myself and hopefully you're going to find them really, really useful. Now, Antonio has a ton of information out there on how to dress better. It's mainly for men, but in this episode, we do talk about things for girls too, so it's not a just-for-guys episode. But if you want to dig into his content further, he has a YouTube channel and a website. Both are Real Men, Real Style, and he also has a podcast, which is called the Personal Image System Podcast, and all of these things are going to be linked up in the show notes, which you can find over at cigpodcast.com slash 128. And one final thing before we get into this interview, because we're talking about how to dress better, I can't help but mention that there is a College Info Geek t-shirt that you can buy if you want to upgrade your casual style and potentially gain superpowers as well. So if you want to get that, you can go over to collegeinfogeek.com shirt, and that will take you over to dftba.com where the shirt is for sale, and you can get one if you want. So with that being said, let's get into this interview. Antonio, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on, Thomas. <laughs> no problem, man. Uh, so I wanted to have you on the show because I get questions about how people should dress, mainly for career fairs, mainly for interviews, stuff like that all the time. But every time I have Googled how to dress myself, your site always comes up as the first result, which is a huge achievement. Congratulations. Thanks. You know, and, uh, SEO has worked out well for us. And I think we just put out useful information, but I, I, you know, I've checked out your YouTube channel. I've checked out your podcast and I know that you target, you know, young, young people, you know, you got students and I don't mean that, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm an old guy. I'm 40 here now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I was a student not too long ago. I got my MBA at the university of Texas. So I went back at the age of 29, 30 and 31 and studied there. And, um, I, I get it that, you know, career fairs makes a lot of sense that you need to dress up. But the way I look at it is 
you know, every single day we're wearing clothing and mm-hmm. it is having an effect on the way people perceive us. And I think if your audience can get that point, if they can really understand that, you know, how would you perform on a test if you walked in naked? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, well, I don't know. Maybe it, awesome. It, maybe <laughs> awesome. Most likely though, you'd be really self-conscious yeah. and you would be kind of embarrassed. You wouldn't even be able to focus on the test. You'd just be, you know, covering your, your, you know, your private areas and just waiting for that to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the thing is, is that's an extreme example and I get it, but let's look at uniforms. I went to the university of Texas and I can tell you when those football players go out on the football field, if they're wearing anything, when they're wearing their full pads and their uniforms and their, you know, their actual uniform for the game, they're prepped, they're, they're motivated, they're excited. Now if that same player went out wearing a soccer uniform or a ballerina's tutu, it, it doesn't, it, it's wrong uniform and it has, it would have a negative effect. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk in and you talk to a doctor. What do you expect him to look like? White lab coat. Exactly. And the thing and on the that, forehead. Exactly. And do not, you know, betray my expectations. Because if you, I walk in and see a doctor and he's got a tie-dye shirt on, dirty shorts and flip-flops, and he just, hey, man, what's up? You think I'm going to try, unless he's like maybe, you know, alternative medicine here. I There's just an expectation that I have. Even then, I've got an expectation of what this guy's going to do and trust him with a decision that could affect my life. And that's what I try to get across to people that, hey, think about that. If you're in the school of engineering, well, if your professor is trying to make decisions about who he's going to recommend for that amazing internship at Google or maybe Lockheed, Boeing or, or whatever it may be, know that he's making decisions about you every time he sees you. And wouldn't it be great if you could send that signal? Hey, this guy, no matter what, I, he, he gets great. Both of these guys get great, get great grades. But one of them, I've got to make a decision. Well, this guy has always looked great. So I know he's not going to embarrass me when I send him to go meet with, you know, one of the representatives. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good thing because I know somebody who does not dress well, does not care. And I've been in a situation where I had the choice to recommend them for a job or not. And I did recommend them because I know about their skills, but there was a little bit of that. Is he going to go to the interview wearing that kind of stuff? Because it's my reputation on the line a little bit giving that recommendation. Yeah. You know, and, and, and to an extent they do care. I mean, he showers, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, he does. So he's got what I call, and most people have this defensive style in that he does, he realizes that Odor matters, right? He wears mm-hmm. probably deodorant. He showers, but yet he doesn't understand that, you know, and, and there's two parts. I and mean, I love the football analogy. So I'm going to stick with this, okay. but uh, there's two parts to it. You know, you've got the offense as well. And that's where you score points. So you understand that you can actually wear fragrances that instill trust, that increase your alertness, that literally when you spray yourself with it, you've conditioned yourself like one of Pavlov's dogs to be more on focus and literally you set yourself up to be, you know, more, and and there's a whole series of field of research called cognitive, uh, what is it? Cognitive, uh, I'm losing my train of thought here coming out of Northwestern university. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what they've studied is the effect that clothing has not only on others, but also on yourself. Yeah. So you probably may, have you heard the study about the painter smocks versus the doctor jackets? No. So what they did is they had these to be group open population. Mm-hmm. They said, okay, come in, gave him a jacket. One of one, half the group, they said, this is a, this is a doctor's jacket. The other half, they said, this is just a painter's smock. They had them take an exam. The guys and, and the gals wearing the painter uh, jackets did not perform any higher, had no effect. But those that were wearing what they thought to be doctor jackets 
perform statistically higher on that exam. And what happened is they figured out that they were just more in tune and they, they just felt that they had to be more attentive and pay more attention to detail. Now think hmm. about that. The way that you dress can actually increase your score. Now, I'm not going to say that it's going to be, if you don't study, it's not going to save you. You know, mm -hmm. don't, don't think about that. But I mean, all things being the same, why wouldn't you try to always, you know, in a sense, put yourself in, you know, the best situation. I had a, a female friend at the university of Texas. She was getting her MBA. I remember like she was dressed up really nice one time and I asked her and because I have a number of sisters, I knew this. I'm like, Hey, are you feeling okay today? You must be sick. She's like, yeah. She's like, how'd you know? I'm like, well, my, my sisters have told me they dress really nice on days they're sick because they get compliments all day and it makes them feel better and makes that miserable day a little bit better. Now think about that, you know, the psychology of getting compliments to make you feel better, but why, why wouldn't you use that on a daily basis? Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I usually picture people who are sick dressing in just sweatpants and sort of sitting in the back trying to hide. So yeah, and that's kind of the way of just like wallowing. Yeah, exactly. And when you realize the power of clothing, because not everyone does this, and a lot of people do wear their pajamas to school. You know, I no, not calling anyone out, and I <laughs> and I get it. It's comfortable, mm -hmm. but a lot of people have this mistaken belief that somehow dress clothing or a suit or a really nice dress, you know, is somehow not comfortable. That's not true. It's just unfamiliar. Yeah. So uncomfortable and unfamiliar are not the same thing. It's unfamiliar because you're not used to wearing this. But if you actually, you know, like the way in your suit fits you great, you get compliments on it throughout the day, you know, and I'm not saying you need to wear a suit to class, but you definitely could start to wear casual clothing that has style, that fits you well, that actually sends the message, you know, that you want to go off and you want to get that great job with Google or maybe it's with Goldman Sachs. Well, guess what? You know, instead of if that's where you want to go, then how about you start dressing like that person? You know who you want to be today. And because it takes time to become that person. And you, you know, you go to four years of college, think of it also as a time to experiment and to actually look at the way people react to you when you dress in certain manner in a certain way. Yeah. I've kind of come to see things that way recently where dressing better is just a way of me stepping into the role that I want to fully embody. And in the past, I've been an entrepreneur for six years. So well, maybe, I don't know, student, entrepreneur, kind of gray area between the transition. But for the first few years, I was very Mark Zuckerberg-esque, where it's like, I run my own business. I can wear hoodies all I want. I can wear jeans and tennis shoes. It doesn't matter because my skills should speak for themselves. But I've started to realize that the days when I dress nicely and I wear my dress boots and a nice shirt like this, I just feel more confident and I feel like I should be on task because I'm not sitting around in gym shorts. And when I am sitting around in gym shorts, I'm more likely to procrastinate and not get my work done or not go into an interview or a video with my full attention focused on what I'm doing. So it's really just kind of like putting on a, I don't know, just like a mindset. Yeah, it changes. I mean, the same way that when you take a shower and you actually comb your hair and you, you're fully shaved or, you know, maybe groomed properly after you go into a barber. But mm -hmm. you made an interesting point. You mentioned Mark over at uh, Facebook and Mark, you know, I, I'm actually going to talk about him in one of my upcoming videos mm -hmm. because do you ever see him wearing a pink shirt? No. Do you ever see I don't see much of Mark, but shirt? I only ever see him wearing hoodies that I think hoodies of. <laughs> and gray shirts. So earlier this year, he published a picture of his wardrobe. Mm -hmm. He's like, what? He's like, decisions, decisions. What should I wear? And there was a picture of 10 
gray shirts, all the same, 10 hoodies, all the same. So one of the things I talk about is actually Mark does manage his image. Hmm. He sends the message he wants to send the same way that Steve Jobs. When I talk about, when you think about the late Steve Jobs, what do you imagine? What is he, what is he wearing? Black turtleneck, light jeans, and white sneakers. Exactly. Now, did he wear the same thing every day? I mean, the same exact same pair. thing on like, all the, on the keynotes that I can think of. Pretty, pretty much, but it wasn't the same. He actually mm-hmm. just had a wardrobe and that's mm-hmm. all it was in the wardrobe. It wasn't like he wore the same, you know, shirt ever or the same, you know, sw- turtleneck every single day. He had multiple variations, but he had a uniform. And I advocate that men and women have a uniform, have a default because you don't want to spend a lot of time and energy. And that's what a lot of these guys say, actually making that decision. As you know, you've only got so much, it's like a glass of water, only so many drinks you can take from that decision-making ability per day. Mm -hmm. So why would you wake up in the morning and run around, spend 30 minutes frustrated, not being able to figure out what to wear? Instead, you know what message you want to send. If you're, you know, a student in the drama department, you know, maybe you want to send a message because you really want to go work for a certain company that you're creative, that you, and so you've got everything laid out that actually you various from various uh, glasses that you like to wear that actually send the signal from, you know, that, you know, you don't just wear glasses, you own your glasses and you realize that, Hey, this is a very subtle way for me to wear these yellow glasses, these red glasses, these blue glasses, and send that signal that, Hey, I'm not a corporate drone. I'm someone that thinks creatively, but it's all planned out. Yeah. And you know, it, it the th- and so Mark does pay attention. Steve jobs paid attention and you know, Carl Langerfeld, you know, pays attention. And, and these are from fashion to computer science majors. It's all, it's about controlling that message. Mm-hmm. I've also read that uh, Obama does the same thing where he just has somebody pick out his outfits every day. So it's no decision on his part. Yeah. He's got all that mental energy. Exactly. Which I remember I was reading about something where he and some other person in his cabinet have a joke where once they are going to be done with the presidency, they're going to go open a t-shirt stand in Hawaii where they only sell white t-shirts in medium size because <laughs> they're so tired of making so many decisions. Yeah. Well, you know, just make it. And I think that, you know, students have a lot of decisions that they have to make. Why not, in a sense, just have that system that you've got of, of what you're wearing. And I'm not going to tell, you know, again, I don't know what message every student wants to send, but I would yeah. say that I would challenge you to figure out what that message is. Because if you're a t-shirt and jeans and running shoes kind of person, under look around because that's what everyone else is wearing. You're just following a fashion trend, whether you yeah. know it or not. Look, I mean, when I was at the University of Texas, it was a fashion trend, I know, for women to wear these athletic shorts with Texas sweatshirts and flip-flops. That, And I look around and all the ladies, it wasn't that it was comfortable. Maybe it was, but that's just what everyone w- would wear. And like lemmings, they were all wearing the same thing, but it's the same for men as well. And when you realize that, you realize that most people have never even stopped to think mm-hmm. about the message and then figure out how to control it. Yeah. So one thing that I wanted to to bring up here, and maybe this can be the launching off point for more tactical discussion about specific things to buy and what to look for. I had one corporate internship during my college career. The only time I ever worked in a big office and I noticed they had a dress code. So everyone was wearing nice pants like slacks or um, khakis. I almost forget the name because I haven't worn them in that many years and either polos or button-down shirts. But I noticed that a lot of them didn't look good because either their shoes looked bad or the most common thing is their shirt is like billowing out from their pants. 
and yep. just hanging down. And I kept thinking to myself, I can look better than this wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Why is this dress code even in place when these people don't look good wearing the clothes they're wearing? So I guess what I want to do is help people who may be going into their first internships or going to interviews and career fairs avoid some of those mistakes since I saw it so often in other interns. Yeah. So those guys, I mean, were just clothing themselves mm -hmm. and that's simply covering yourself with cloth. I mean, there was no thought process that probably went into it. They were just doing it because they had to, and they looked around and they were like, okay, they put in the minimum effort. And that's mm -hmm. one of, that's a secret to success is realize most people for some reason just think that the minimum effort is fine. But if you want to go, if you really want to succeed, just go that extra mile. There's no traffic on the extra mile. Yeah. And just by Looking at, okay, you know, let's look at, let's figure out what the dress code actually is. Because I don't advocate that you take it like in, in that environment, you don't want to wear a suit. You don't want to stand out and be like, wow, this guy really doesn't get the, you know, he, he can't even pay attention to the signals. Mm -hmm. But what you could identify is, okay, you need to wear nice slacks or nice chinos or nice pants. Well, first off, let's get this to fit me. So you could take it to a tailor. If you're a thin guy, you can have it adjusted. So mm -hmm. you don't have, you know, that what they call khaki diaper butt, you know, where it looks like literally you could be wearing a diaper in under that thing. I mean, actually wear the clothing that fits your body. It's the same with the shirts. Simply take them to a tailor, get them adjusted or brought in. You could look at something like shirt stays that actually keep them tucked in all day. Your shoes. Look at something that actually you know, you may have to spend a little bit more money, but they're going to last you longer. Look at that's yeah. what you pay usually for a little bit higher quality. The difference between a $50 and a $200 pair of shoes off the oftentimes is very significant. The $50 pair of shoes, you're going to you never really look good and maybe they're going to be too clunky. And I'm not saying that you, you can still find some amazing shoes for 50 bucks, mm -hmm. but you're going to have to look. What you're looking for is something that is built and is stitched together, not glued together and is using quality materials. But if you go to companies, uh, you know, I've got tons of them out there, but like Paul Evans, Alan Edmonds, JL, uh, JL Rocha, you know, some of these ones out there and you look at the way that the shoe is built, you can find one that actually is comfortable, is stylish. I mean, in that environment, maybe you wouldn't be able to pull off a laced up dress boot. Maybe that would be too casual. Although I would argue that if you were able to piece it together, you could still, you could still meet the dress code, but you would definitely, and, and this is where it takes a little bit of courage because mm -hmm. you're, you're going to look good, even though you're almost wearing the same thing. And yeah. we saw this, um, when I was in the Marine Corps, I would see this. You could tell a Marine that was wearing his uniform versus a Marine that was just, his uniform was wearing him. Mm -hmm. And that was simply, he put it on, we called him, you know, we, well, I'm not, not going to a show here, so I'm not going <laughs> to call him something called. mean. Yeah, we called him. We weren't very afraid. You know, it was basically we knew that this person didn't care. Mm -hmm. And that was a big indicator because if you don't care about your appearance, then you probably don't care about the details and many other things. Yeah. And, you know, that that's I think is another thing is you look around. You've got a lot of people that you want to show. This is just it's an outward sign that you pay attention. You you dot your you know, you dot the end of the sentence. You cross your T's. You pay attention to all of those small details. And when mm -hmm. you do that, when you send that signal, other people at higher levels do notice. They say, you know, that guy, Thomas, I've noticed that he actually, I mean, one, he's not going to embarrass us if we put him in front of, you know, one of our banking clients, because it looks like he actually can carry himself well. And the other thing is, I mean, he, he definitely, he's at the same level as those three other guys we hired. But again, it comes down to, can you do the next level? And having, having that right appearance kind of gives you that, that hidden leg up. Yeah, definitely. So 
I'd like to get into some specific recommendations you might have, and maybe we can just hone it in on business casual kind of stuff you're going to wear to an interview, because I know at the very least people are going to know who you are and they'll be able to go to your site after this interview. And there's a ton there. Uh, first question is how much do you know about women's clothing? Because the one thing I've been asking myself going into this is do I need to do another interview for the girls since you do real men, real style, it's mostly for the guys. You know, I, I know, I know quite a bit. Uh, it's something I, I stay away from because, uh, it's just, I stay focused, but I would say with women, they, as a whole, they have grown up in a world which is much more, they understand the power of visuals, Mm -hmm. whether they've had a positive experience or a negative experience, they realize that they are oftentimes judged many times based off of, you know, okay, if you've got a pretty face, if you've got longer hair, instantly you're going to be viewed as, you know, a lot of men are going to start talking with you. You're going to start engaging with you. If you, you know, can wear, you can wear certain clothing, which is going to draw compliments, draw stares. So in a business environment, if you're going into interviews and you're a woman, it's about, you know, trying to keep the focus in on your face and eliminating anything that can be perceived as, and I know that, yeah, it's not your fault the way others perceive you and it should be on them. But if you're going to be, you know, you want to try to find out as much research and look at what other professionals in your industry are wearing. So if you're going to be going into the tech industry, if you're going to be going into engineering, if you're going to be going into pharmaceutical sales, whatever it may be, find out what, and, and, Go talk with other women that are in this sphere and find out, okay, how are you presenting yourself? What's acceptable at this company? So doing your homework is, and this applies to both men and women, is the first thing I recommend with the interview. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if you're going to be interviewing with Bain, you know, you know, McKinsey and company, that's a, you know, the way you dress there could be a little bit different. You have a, probably a little bit more leeway than if you're interviewing over with Google, they're mm-hmm. just going to give a, a bit more freedom and they expect and hopefully encourage that type of creativity. Maybe not so much at McKinsey where they're going to want you to be able to eventually sell multi-million dollar consulting deals. Right. So, you know, that's the first thing, but I would say with women, the big advantage is that they have probably had to be a lot more attuned to this for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. I would say that, you know, you don't have to go all out and, you know, you can definitely pull off flats, uh, heels or something, but it depends on what country you're in. My wife is Ukrainian and heels are huge over there. I know in the United States you can get, you know, flats are going to be great in most, you want to pay attention to the shape of the toe, keep the colors dark, keep it conservative, be very careful with fragrance. And this applies to men as well. You want to keep your fragrance. If you wear it should be discovered, not announced. You don't want to go Mm. in and overwhelm a person. Uh, I would keep the makeup and hair to a minimum in terms of uh, just keeping it back out of the face. The goal is you want when you're in an interview for them to look you in the eyes and look at you in the face. If, you know, you've got an open, you know, a lot, most women know this, you know, about not having anything open cut in the front. You don't want, right. especially if it's a man, male interview, you don't want his, his eyes wandering. Now, you have to understand that, that, you know, these people that you're interviewing with, hopefully they're professionals as well. And mm-hmm. they should keep it, keep a lot of this stuff in, in track. But I would say for women more than men, they have to worry about you know, and if they're interviewing with another woman, oftentimes there's an advantage there. But if you're a man interviewing with a woman, I often, and and I do this actually whenever I'm traveling through countries, I always look at if someone's doing passports uh, to go with the opposite sex, because 
there is always a bit of sexual tension between people. It's, it just always exists. Hmm. And so I always go, if I, there's a female, I will go right to her and I will smile, you know, and it's just a natural thing right there. So there's advantages to both. I would say, you know, the more research you can do before you go in, the better. Okay. And do you ever get emails from girls that asking for a resource and like, are the resources you send them to? Yeah. You know, I, I, I definitely Nina Garcia, her essential 100. Okay. There's Bradley, Bradley bios, the science of sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't, don't, you know, he talks about different body types and how to dress for that. You know, so don't be turned off by the title. It's actually really good and has some great stuff in it. But I find that, you know, my focus is on not what's politically correct, but what is, I, I look at the science and the research and the data right. and, you know, as much as I want to tell somebody, you know, your interviewer should be professional. You know, there was no such such thing as an objective person. We are all mm. tattooed by our tribe, where we come up and how we grow up. And it's your job to go in there to minimize distractions and to get them focused in on how you're going to provide value to their company. Awesome. So for the guys, I would love to start with shoes because I am wearing I have one nice pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. They are a pair of brown dress boots, and I think they're pretty rare because they are, I believe the term is closed design, like Oxford's, Yep. and they have, if not full broguing, partial broguing, and uh, the only reason I own these and did not have like horrible paralysis trying to find shoes was because there's a person out there named Colin Wright, who I have looked up to since I was in college, who has them, and I met him and I said, those shoes are amazing. Where'd you get them? And he told me that they're Kohans. And then I yep. searched the internet for hours trying to find a place to buy them. If I had not known uh, about his shoes, I would have no idea what type of shoes I should buy for slacks, for jeans, that kind of stuff. So if a guy's trying to go out and upgrade his wardrobe with shoes, what are the first things he should buy? And what are the kind of considerations you should think about? Well, you know, if it's going to be for, and we're talking about interviews or, you know, a young man just starting off, you want to make sure mm-hmm. you have your suit put together. Okay. You want to have a, either navy or a charcoal gray, dark colored suit that fits you great. Now you want to find a great shop in your area. That's going to make it so much easier when you have a trusted professional that you can go to, who can give you a second opinion, who can help you choose things. I always think, I mean, I mean, how much did it cost to go to uh, Iowa state? What's, what's the tuition a year? When I was there, I think it was 7,000 a year if you're in state, quite okay. a bit so more if you're say, out of state. So. Yeah, let's say you got it for seven grand and that's mm-hmm. what, four years or actually it's Iowa State, five years, the average, I'm joking. <laughs> four for <laughs> no, me. <laughs> four for you. So the average person gets through and four, you were talking almost 30,000 that you just spent on your education. Why would you not spend at least 500 to 1,000 on, on, on a great presentation? Because mm-hmm. think about it, when you walk into that interview, do, do you, are you holding your diploma? up like you just showing no you're you're simply you're holding yourself up and you're mm. showing your suit you know it's like you need you just spent 30,000 bucks on your education at least spend a little a percentage of that on the way that you present yourself for those interviews or for those first times at work and those presentations cuz now you're going to you need to have that now i do recommend and you're in actually Des Moines there's a great shop mm-hmm. Bedours uh, have you ever been no i Happy. solely shop at express and I should probably should branch go, out a little bit, yeah, but yeah. Just pop over to Bedowers. You know, there's great people. And what I, I like about a comp, you know, they're going to, you're going to pay a little bit of a premium, mm-hmm. but you're paying for the advice. You're paying for the engagement. I know last time I walked in there, they handed me a beer, you know, so maybe you're paying for that, that kind of service, <laughs> but 
But that's, you know, when you, the thing is you don't have to own a lot. That's another. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about having your core suit down. It's yeah. either going to be Navy charcoal gray, have, you know, a white, maybe a light blue shirt, keep it simple, solid, have a conservative, simple multi-repeating tie in a, you know, maybe a blue, a green, uh, a reddish color, red oftentimes symbols symbolizes trust. You can go with a square fold white pocket square, keep it very simple. And then your shoes. Look, we, we look down and the shoes complete it because you could have a great looking suit and ensemble. But if you're wearing flip flops with that, what do you think? I think uh, it's a character I made in the Tony Hawk game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This <laughs> a video is game not, character or something. Yeah, this is not with a message. So f- shoes do matter. Mm-hmm. And it, it's about think of it like a chain. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Right. So when you've got an outfit together, if you've got one piece on there, which is incredibly weak, screws it up. It defeats the whole it, – it, it weakens the entire outfit. Mm-hmm. So you want to look at a pair of classic Oxford that's going to have closed lacing. Um, there is a difference. And if, if you don't know what those are, just type in classic men's Oxford shoes. Uh, for women, it's simply you, – you can find a number of flats. I think it's going to be the color and the shape of the shoe. You don't want to be exposing your toes or anything like that. That That's a no-go. That's a non-formal shoe. Okay. But right there for men and for women, there's a number of, uh, you know, suit out. You can go with either a skirt, you can go with a pants suit. There are many options out there. But this is where I do think that you want to spend a bit more. And let's say you're a little bit hard to fit. I I had a a custom clothier that I used to, a number of of one of them I had as a friend. And he actually said that he actually sold a number of skirts to women who actually had really high, wide hips, maybe, you know, a larger backside. That was just, you know, the way their body was shaped. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's worth actually paying a bit more, which for a lot of women who are used to getting amazing deals because they do go in and they shop and, and, they've they'll go in there they can find maybe some skirts for 20 or 30 bucks it's yeah. or they maybe go into what's we call ann taylor and they can find something it's expensive for 70 bucks to spend 250 to 300 for a custom-made skirt may seem outrageous mm-hmm. until you get something that fits you beautifully and you're like wow this does make a difference because then you realize that this is what you wear to nice events and you wear it to interviews because when you want to when you go into an interview, Thomas, do you want to look good? Do you want to look like a million bucks or do you want to look like a hundred bucks? I want to look like how I feel, which is the person that will get the job. Yeah. We want to, we want to look like that, that everything. We want to embody that person. Right. And if you're wearing something that you just don't really feel confident in, again, your confidence is going to go down. You're going to wonder, oh, are they noticing the fact that I've got a bulge right here on the side of my arms and it makes it look like I'm hiding a, a weapon in here? You know, you're, you're thinking about that versus paying attention to that question, you know, which is like, you know, how many golf balls are going to fit into a 747? Do they yeah. still ask on interviews? Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. I did have a, an interview once where they asked, give me like five uses for this rubber band. You know, just those creativity questions. I think they yeah. have, they have their uses, they but do. they can backfire because I think they, they fail to account for people who are maybe not so good at thinking on the spot, but who are very creative if you give them a lot of time. And that's the thing is why take away any of your mental energy? You know, the idea of multitasking, you came out of computers and because computers have the perception that they can multitask, mm-hmm. that they are doing multiple things, but it, they're not. They're do, they're just doing it so fast that it appears to be multitasking. The same thing with human beings. You can't be thinking about, you know, 
am I looking okay? And really paying attention to what that person is saying and to be able to give them a a really good response. So don't sabotage yourself. And, And that leads me to another point I will say about this, practice wearing this clothing. And I don't know how, you know, find an occasion, but it's, you practice wearing it, you get used to wearing it. What happens on, what do you wear on October 31st, Thomas? A skeleton suit. A costume, exactly. (laughs) In the United States, Halloween's big. Now, why is it called a costume? Uh, I don't know. I mean. Because you don't wear it every day. the entomology? Oh, gotcha, yeah. So if you wear a suit only for interviews, what is it? It's a costume. It's a costume. Don't, don't let it be a costume. And that's, you know, and again, one of the reasons I focus on men, because women, they do, and again, I'm making big generalizations here, but I will say that in general, my wife puts on makeup, you know, Mm -hmm. daily, not too much. I tell her she doesn't need it. She still, she pays attention to these things. Appearances, she's more probably well-rounded. I've got the brows. I'm a focused hunter. I focus in on, you know, my one thing here, but she's more in tune to people's feelings, emotions. She notices when my kids, you know, get upset about something I maybe don't notice all the time. Mm-hmm. But men, especially, we've got this issue that we think we can just put something on and go out there. No, there's a, in football, going back to the analogy, on Fridays, we used to have walkthroughs. That's where you do put on all your uniform and you oh, actually yeah. make sure it fits you and you walk through. Mm-hmm. Have a walkthrough on those that clothing before you go into the interview. We had that for wrestling too. Yeah. Or I think it was the day before we'd practice in singlets. Yeah, imagine going out there and you put on, you know, first match of the, of the year and you, you put on, you know, your, your, you know, your outfit and it's like, this is too tight, man. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm about to lose circulation down here. You know, it's like, that's not a good thing. You yeah. want it form fitting, but you don't want it so tight that that's what you're thinking about. And then someone comes in and gives you a fish hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say, um, and I don't know if you did these, but one occasion where I was able to practice wearing my suit, which does not fit well, and I have not worn in years because of that. Uh, was practice interviews, which Iowa State does. And I think a lot of campuses do these. Interviewers will come to the campus and let you sign up to basically just do a mock interview with them. Yep. And that's a great opportunity to do, to wear your clothes in as a practice round. Maybe just set up a, set up, take your, your smart camera, put it out there, record yourself and oh, yeah. actually wear it. And then you can look at the recording and you can see, am I doing something unconscious? Like reaching in here and grabbing at the neck, you know, it's mm. like little things like that. And you get to spot that and you can improve it because you don't want to be known as when the interviewer writes the notes down, the guy that seemed like his tie was choking him because he kept grabbing it and, uh, and trying to loosen it throughout the interview. Right. So with the Oxford shoes, cause you mentioned those as kind of the, the go-to classic first purchase, what are the color considerations people should be thinking about? Does brown you know, match with Navy or that kind of thing? You know, what should they get? It, it depends. I mean, starting off, you can keep it simple. Black. Mm-hmm. I like I like for someone to keep their leathers, either go with dark brown or go with black. If you're going to go with a gray suit, I think, you know, gray is a non-color a mix of, you know, black with a little bit of white in it. So what we have there is you would go with the black shoes in that case. Okay. If you're going to go with navy, you could still go with black, but you can also go with dark brown. You could even bring an ox blood. But the great thing about going to a good menswear store is that they've already pre they've already curated what you're going to see and what you have in front of you. Okay. If you go into a questionable menswear store, it's kind of like buying something really cheap at a you, you just don't know about the quality that's there. You can find some great deals, but you got to mm-hmm. know what you're looking for. And so I, I mean that's what's great about some box stores is you can go to like TJ Maxx and there's some great deals there, but there's also some really bad deals. And 
so you, you've got to, you know, again, that's why I like these gear people towards going to a better quality store because they're going to pay a little bit more, but they're yeah. going to reduce the risk of going down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. And that totally makes sense to me. I've gotten to the point where now I'm, I can afford to put a little money forward to have somebody else who is an expert guide me through these purchasing decisions. But I know personally, maybe when I was a sophomore in college, all that money I'm spending on my education is tied up in debt. And I literally don't have the money to put into a $500 suit or a $300 pair of shoes. Like I've got to make do with TJ Maxx. Then look or, around for, yeah, then look mm -hmm. around for your bet. Look at, around at men or women around you that are mm -hmm. dressing great and ask them for help. So okay. swallow your ego, you know, reach out to somebody say, Hey, you know, maybe go out there. There's tons of great YouTube channels. You know, I, I, I know of a few, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, and if you don't like my channel, check out the guys at teaching men's fashion, Aaron Marino over at alpha M Baron at the effortless gen. I think, you know, you've, at the end of the day, you got to make it a priority. Mm -hmm. And once you learn this stuff, it's not like you unlearn it. It may, it may change. Fashions will change a bit. But if you learn timeless style, it's really something you can just spend a little bit of time on and then you can move on to something else. And like mathematics, you use it every day and you don't even notice it because you do get dressed. You do match things together. Yeah. You do see somebody and you can start to identify other people who actually pay attention to these things and you can start to give compliments that actually mean something. Cool. So you mentioned that it's better to have interchangeable wardrobe pieces than full outfits. And yes. I think I just watched a video of yours before we got on the mic here and you said it in that video as well. So obviously your, your suit is basically an outfit, right? Because you buy the jacket with the pants. Yes, a suit by definition is jacket and trousers made from mm -hmm. the same fabric. Right. So the additional pieces of your wardrobe, that's where we start getting to the interchangeable stuff. So I guess what are your base recommendations for the dress shirts and then the non-suit pants and shoes to go with those? Again, you got to look at what your needs are going to be. Mm -hmm. If you are going into, if you're going into the banking field versus going into uh, outdoor, you know, management at parks, you're going to have very different needs of your wardrobe. Okay. Uh, so if you're going to be going, you want to be a park ranger or you want to definitely, you want to go, you're going to go into the oil field. You're going to be heading out to Houston, but maybe going out to a rig. In that case, I would definitely gravitate towards casual okay. uh, banking field. You can go off and maybe buy a couple other suits. Mm -hmm. uh, you can maybe look at getting a sports jacket, some odd trousers, which are simply just pants that don't have a matching jacket. But let's go back to that guy that's going into a casual field. Well, at this point, you want to start looking at casual button downs. Okay. Uh, you want to keep it simple. You don't want, you know, avoid anything that's got a lot of embroidery on it, a lot of colors, logos. Try to keep it simple. I mean, there are classic pieces out there from polos to button downs. Most men are going to be perfectly fine if they stick with variations of blues or anything that's in the pastels. Okay. Uh, those are going to be fine. And then with your, with your pants, you know, gray, one thing I love about gray is it's a non-color. So it's pretty much going to match anything. Mm -hmm. uh, so you go with grays, you can look at dark blues, you can go with tans. Again, you're focused on the fit here as well. So anything that you buy, it can oftentimes be, if it's buying it off the rack, you can take it to a tailor. You should know your tailor's name okay. and take it to them and then get it uh, adjusted to fit you properly. Uh, then maybe look at one to two pairs of shoes that are going to work with that. So notice all the trousers uh, were brown. I, I would say the browns and you can go with like three variations from tan to brown to uh, 
a khaki, which there's slight dip variation there, uh, to maybe, and then you've got maybe a few grays in there. What you want to avoid are really harsh colors like blacks. Black is going to be too formal. Uh, okay. Black comes out of normally black tie. I know a lot of guys maybe like the whole black look. It, it, it definitely has a bit of a, of a morbid, uh, maybe if you're going to be going into the music industry and you're going to be, you know, going into goth culture, maybe then it works for you. Yeah. But for most people, you know, it's probably a little bit too harsh and not saying you can't have it in your casual wardrobe, but if you're going to be going into a work environment, you know, look at what works there. But the way you, you can easily distinguish yourself is focusing on the fit of that clothing. Gotcha. Cool. So we've got, and I, I guess I was going to ask you, Checkered shirts, like I'm wearing one right now, and I can probably yeah. put a picture in the in the show notes so people can see because they can't see now. But is this too much for a casual work it's environment? Very, it's very casual because of the size of the pattern. So okay, you know, it, it that's a little bit more advanced. But what I would, and this is again, is why. So what you've got there, you know, is is a very casual shirt. Now mm-hmm. it does have a collar. It is a button down, and it does look like it fits you well in the chest area. So. You could wear that. Let's say you're working at a startup there in Des Moines. Well, you could wear that and, you know, and that would look great. And that's going to, I think, look a lot better than a T-shirt and jeans. And you're not going to throw anything off. Like people aren't going to think you're dressed up. You're going to an interview and it shows just a little bit of style. And I think that that's, that's great. Now you could go with something that has a mutt that has a pattern that's maybe one tenth the size of that pattern I see there. Okay. And that's going to be a bit dressier because it's going to get closer to a solid. You could wear that same exact shirt that maybe would be that dark. So I'm looking at, you've got a very dark blue in the pattern of that yeah, shirt. It's a pretty dark blue. Yep. So if you went with that entire shirt was that dark blue, that would be a little bit dressier than what you're wearing now. Mm-hmm. And if you went with a lighter blue, you went with a white, that would almost be in the realm or it may even be in the realm of a dress shirt. Okay. So the lighter solid colors are the more dressier end. And then as you move down the spectrum into, into darker colors and bigger checker patterns, you're getting more casual. Is that kind of a good rule of thumb? In in general, yes. But, but I do feel that, you know, some men can bend it and they can break those rules. Mm -hmm. I like to wear a dark colored Navy blue suit or, or shirt with a suit. Okay. Uh, sometimes I think it looks great for me. I'll, I'll throw in a pocket square, maybe occasionally pull it off with a tie and that's a way for me to stand out because, but I think for most guys at this point, it's about mastering the basic concepts. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get what you're saying because I see some men who basically flaunt a lot of the rules of dressing nicely as they're put out, uh, stereotypically. Like, I don't know if you know Pat Flynn, but every time I run into him at a conference or event, he's wearing a, usually like a pink or red dress shirt and he has a gray vest over it. Like that would go So you know suit. about you know about our story, right? Me and Pat. No, I don't. Yeah, so uh, he was going to go do his first speaking gig at mm-hmm. FinCon, and I remember, and I'd been following Pat for like a year and a half, maybe two years, and I saw what he was going to wear. He's going to wear a t-shirt, and and I emailed him a video, and uh, this is, I mean, Pat wasn't super big at the time, and. I, I didn't expect anything of it, but he ended up writing me back and he was just so, you know, he, he, cause I gave him a 15 minute consultation mm-hmm. on, Hey man, this is, you know, the thing is nobody in this finance industry knows you, You've, you're making first impressions. You can't wear that t-shirt out there. Everyone else is going to be dressed in at least colored shirts and you want to set. And the example that I think really resonated is I knew he was in the Berkeley marching band. And mm. I said, when you walked on that, on that football field in your uniform, did anyone question you? Did anyone yeah. say you're not supposed to be here? No, you walked out, you were confident, you knew what you were going to do. That uniform sent the signal that you belonged, that you were trusted and for you to do your job. Now, think about that. Like 
that's what a that's what the right outfit does for a person. Mm-hmm. It sends all that without them saying a word. And and he took that and yeah, and then he ended up using like I think it was Trunk Club and uh, he, he ended up hiring like a consultant. It's funny, John Dumas did the same thing, but I've known John for a while. I was like I was talking to John right before he went on stage at InfusionCon one time and I'm looking at him and like he doesn't have a pocket square. So I took mine out and I stuck it right in there. <laughs> and I swear for like a year, I kept seeing it. I got to send him some more pocket squares because mm-hmm. he was wearing the same pocket square again and again and again. <laughs> and uh, I think he eventually just lost it. I gotta, but uh, I'm like, man, you need, to, you need to spruce this up. What's the point of a pocket square? So it has a historical perspective. Okay. Uh, it used to be actually, you know, it used to actually be something that was functional that you could pull off and you could actually use, um, you know, to, to, to wipe yourself. Uh, handkerchiefs is where it came from. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, they, they're kept in the back pocket, most people's handkerchiefs. But before that, men didn't have back pockets or it wasn't easily accessible when you're riding oh. a horse. But if you're riding up on a horse, you need something to be able to wipe the mud off your face, the sweat, anything like that. That's where it comes from. Nowadays, it's very dec- – it's just a decorative piece and that's why okay. you see them made from silk, made from really – high-end luxury fabrics. I think it's a great way if you look around to separate yourself easily from most men around you because they don't wear a pocket square. But, you know, why else would that pocket be there if you didn't want, you know, if there's a pocket there, stuff it. That's kind of my my thoughts on it now. Okay. So it's just a kind of a way to stand out a bit. Nowadays it is. Interesting. So yeah, I guess the thing I was going to say about Pat is he wears the, the dress shirt with the vest, but then he wears jeans which yes. I've seen online, people say, you know, no, don't do that. Vests don't go with jeans. But I think it looks awesome when he dresses that way. I so. think it's funny that people are talking about his clothing. You know, it, <laughs> if it doesn't matter, why do people talk about it so yeah. much? Yeah, I guess it's true. Speaking of jeans, that is what I exclusively wear. So one question that I have heard from people and that I've been asked a couple of times is, if I'm going to wear a button-down shirt like this with jeans, do I still tuck it in or not? It depends. I mean, it's the shirt made to be tucked in. I think it also depends on your proportions. If mm-hmm. you have really long legs and a short torso, I think untucking your stuff may actually look better on that build. But untucking your shirt is always going to be more casual. All okay. of that. There are exceptions to that rule. The Guayabera uh, is a, you know, seen in, you know, Central America, Central America, down in Mexico, over in, you know, various parts of the world, uh, down in South America. It's actually very formal, just as formal as a suit. And it's an untucked shirt, technically. Hmm. But um, I would say for you, I mean, really look at yourself in the mirror and you know, get a lot of guys just aren't used to tuck. They're used to wearing t-shirts yeah. and they're not used to tucking something in. So mm-hmm. that's why it feels a bit odd. I think most men look best though, when they tuck in the shirt, because most shirts are made to be tucked in are going to be a little bit too long or it's in my opinion, just going to look better. And then you get to show off your belt. And when it comes to jeans, I know you're kind of alluding to it. I mean, really look at something, look at dark wash denim. It's in style right now. It's become a lot easier to find Focus in on the fit of your jeans. Go out there, find various brands. Many guys stick with, let's say, Levi's, but maybe they've never tried other brands. Mm-hmm. And look at some of those luxury brands. Don't fall into it. Just because a pair of jeans cost more doesn't mean it's better. It just, you want to find the the right fit for you. But don't be afraid to experiment with that fit. Try maybe something that's a little bit closer that you're not used to wearing. Because what happens with jeans is as you wear them over the period of a few hours, they actually expand out a bit. Yeah. So what initially you buy is it's a tad, tad tight. Mm-hmm. Within an hour or two, it actually fits really good. And it actually, you know, you're a relatively young single guy and hey, you've got a nice backside. 
Ah, the ladies notice. <laughs> uh, speaking of the backside, so one thing I've noticed, and on, on the note of jeans, I've noticed that the jeans I buy, I get them from Express, so I get everything from Express. They have 1% spandex. Yep. And what that does is over time, they become less tight just permanently. So I find that they don't fit me quite as amazingly as they did the day I bought them. Yes. But the ones they make without spandex don't tend to fit me as well. So I guess where do you get your jeans? So I have a place to well, go check. Yeah, you know, uh, I get my jeans. I, I've worked with with Lee, so I still have a lot of them. Mott and Bow is mm-hmm. great. Uh, they can find them online. Who else have I? I I own Levi's, like probably most most men out there. It's just something I guess growing up. Uh, Wrangler, I occasionally uh, will wear something that they have. Who else? Um, let me see. I'd have to go AG, make some great ones. And there's uh, Agave, make some great jeans as well. So okay. those would be some of the brands I'll throw out. Cool. So one of the things I notice when I tuck my shirt into jeans or any pants for that matter is in the back, it's all rumpled up and it just looks bad. Is there a way I can tuck my shirt in to not make that happen? Probably the, you could try a military tuck, uh, which is tucking it in, you know, flipping it over on the sides. You could also look to use shirt stays, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. And this actually connects the bottom of your shirt to your socks oh, and okay. keeps the shirt tucked in. But I'm not going to rem- – I know a lot of guys are like, whoa, that's a little bit too much. What I would recommend is maybe looking to get your shirts adjusted to fit you better because mm. if there isn't that excess material in and around your waist area, then it's not going to be sticking out. Okay. So maybe I should still go to the tailor then. Everything should be. What's your tailor's name? I don't have one. Fail. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You know, okay, that's good one question. Of the things that, that's one of the things I tell people all the time is what's the name of your tailor? Because mm-hmm. if you don't know the name of your tailor, you're not going to them enough. Interesting. Okay, I should probably get a tailor. I don't even have a barber. I cut my own hair. So there you go. I have I have thought about maybe growing it out and trying out some some different styles, but it's always looked terrible. And we've always gone to cheap haircut places when I was growing up, so... Uh, probably 10 years ago, I just decided to buy a pair of buzzers and started doing it myself. Well, you know, uh, the, uh, the president of France, Francois Holland, he keeps a a stylist on call only $11,000 a month is what he spends. Only that's a, that's a bargain. Yeah, exactly. Call that no, guy. It's like 10,000 10, euros. <laughs> no, Derek, Derek Halpern, he actually talked about this. He, he went in and got a $350 haircut mm-hmm. and he talks about it. Like, And there was another person that wrote up, I think it was just an escort the other day, about a, about a was it a $1,000 cut? Now, I'm not going to say that you should do something like that, but I would say, you know, maybe you should go try. I mean, just try it. Go mm-hmm. try a stylist. See if there is a difference because it's part of, you know, the whole reason, like I drove a Ferrari the other day. I would normally never do anything like this, but I went to a menswear event or a men's uh, weekend and they had the Ferraris and I'm like, let's go drive a Ferrari. Like, and you drive it. You're like, wow, I can see why people really like it. Now I still like motorcycles more mm-hmm. and I would, you know, I'm not going to give up my minivan because functional, my minivan gets my four kids around. But you know, you get to see the allure and you understand why a Ferrari draws people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when I go into my tailor and I know we're wrapping up here, so this is probably my last question for you. I know with certain people you go into, you want to have some questions prepared. You want to have a little bit of knowledge. Is it that, is it like that with a tailor or can I just go in and say, Hey, I'm wearing these things, make them fit better. Like, is it their job to basically get it to one specific state of betterness? It is their job, but that's like going into a bank and saying, just take care of me. Mm -hmm. Well, you didn't even go compare banks. 
they they could take care of you, but they're going to give you maybe not the best interest rate or they're going to, you know, not have it's just going to be maybe the wrong bank for you and your needs. So I do recommend that you actually take a little bit of time to figure out which tailor is right for you because you're probably going to stick with this person or this company for a while. Mm -hmm. So it's like finding an accountant or finding any other type of professional. You want to kind of run them through a little bit of an interview process. I always think response time and being able to like, can they actually, and depending on what your needs are, like I like a place that actually has time for me. Some seamstresses, they're going to like need two weeks. Other ones can get it done for you in less than 24 hours. So, okay. you know, which one's going to be better? It's up to you because look at the prices. Also, communication. So a lot of tailors and seamstresses are not originally from the United States. So if they don't speak very good English, is that going to be okay? Because you may have a communication breakdown. Right. So those are the things you want to be looking for. Do they have a website? Does that matter to you? What are their open, what are their hours? Can they actually work on a jacket, which is much more complicated than a shirt? And so I always do recommend only taking one thing, one thing that you don't mind losing. And if you have nothing in your wardrobe that you can lose to getting destroyed by this tailor, then go to a thrift shop, try something and then get it to adjust. And you spent three to a dollar on that shirt mm -hmm. and you ask, you know, her to adjust it to make it fit better. It comes back horrible looking. Well, it costs you a dollar and a little bit of time. How much do you usually pay for a tailor to adjust maybe a shirt for you? Depends on where you're at. You know, New York okay. city, you're going to pay three times what you're going to pay in my neck of the woods. Yeah. And you're out in Wisconsin. Where do you usually pay that? I am. Oh, I haven't been for a long time. I've, I, okay. My wife, my wife actually does a lot of our adjusting now. And that's another thing is like, if you can't even afford a tailor, then ask around. You're, mm -hmm. it may be something a lot of people, you know, a lot of poor students, I get it. So maybe ask someone in your family, maybe you say, Hey, I will mom, you know, I'm coming home. I'm going to clean out the, the basement. You've been asking me for, you know, five years to do this. I'm going to do it. If you can please adjust these five shirts or you go maybe visit friends in the costume department, you know, you're still there at university. Guess what? They, they can sew. Those people are amazing in the costume department, what they can do. Mm -hmm. And they may be willing to, Hey, you know, you give them an extra 20, 30 bucks or you go buy them pizza and beer. Boom. Even trade. Perfect. So I know you have a lot more information, like like days and days worth. Where's the place that people should start if they want to start learning more? You know, I mean, definitely go. I, I always advocate, you know, go into Google, just type in real men, real style. You can find all my channels. But I, I think the thing, the question was, where do they start? I think, you know, Thomas, I want to hit on, they got to, honestly, they got to give a damn. They got to care. And so really ask yourself, you've, you've got to buy into this. You got to figure out what's your why. And how is this going to help me get there? I don't, honestly, I don't really care that much about clothing. I care about the people that are able to use this clothing to get what they want, to nail that interview, to be able to feel great when they go on that date, to be able to, you know, get compliments that makes them feel better about themselves on a, on a tough day. And I think if you realize that clothing, like, cause there's only, you know, you're probably familiar with the law of diminishing returns, right? Right. Yeah. So you know, there's only so much you can add to your education. And we fall into this trap that another degree is going to help us, another, you know, extra couple classes. Take a step back and say, you know, how about instead of me taking the, that extra class or getting, you know, how about I just invest more in my presentation skills? I go to, I start going in Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. I, and that, which is a great example of a place where you could start to dress better. People encourage it. And hmm. you start to really focus in on get rid of that stutter, which is possible improve the way that you can tell stories, which is very doable. And it just, you know, there's tons of computer programmers out there. 
that are that are good. But how many computer programmers out there are great at presenting, getting the point across, telling stories, and are just lively people that people you know love to be around? Very few. And that's a great way to set yourself apart and really to be able to put your career on the trajectory path that you want to be on. So really just look at your goals, start challenging yourself to branch out a little bit, and then as you fill yourself into these new roles, then maybe buy the close to match. Yeah, have fun with it and experiment. You know, you may you may find that the direction you start to go is not the right one, but, you know, just – you know, figure, figure out which type of style is going to be for you, but actually take the time to figure it out versus falling into the fashion of the day. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, Antonio, thank you so much for coming to the show. And hey, uh, you're welcome, Thomas. Yeah. If people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, do you have a Twitter? I do. I do. I just, just type in real men, real style. You'll find our website. We've got everything on there. Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We still got RSS feeds. We've got a podcast, you know, all that fun stuff. Awesome. Well, I will have all those links in the show notes. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to the end of this interview. Hopefully you found it useful. Hopefully you'll find that the information here will help you upgrade your own wardrobe if that's something you're wanting to do. Once again, if you want to find the show notes with everything we mentioned in the episode, you can go over to CIGpodcast.com slash 128 and click on all those links. Also over the show notes, you'll find ways to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And if you want to support the show and help it grow in the future, that is one of the best ways you can do that. So thank you if you do. Thanks again for listening and I will see you in next week's episode. Until then, stay cute.